Jen Fedor. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You do so many cool things. Uh, we're focusing on the music today, but hey, in a nutshell, tell me, how did you get to L.A.? And it sounded like, you know, you really immersed yourself in the film industry when you first got there. Yeah, so uh, I think in, in high school, I really knew that, hey, I really want to do film production. So I kind of made up my mind right away that, like, I wanted to do film. But um, music has always been, like, a huge part of my life. Um, and, uh, kind of at that same time, I was like thinking about, oh, in college and whatnot about like managing bands. Cause like being a producer in film, um, is very similar to the, um, the qualities it takes to be like an artist manager. So, um, I kind of just started off, yeah, doing the film thing, went to, you know, a school for that. And then, um, I worked on some films, uh, uh, I worked on some films down in the South, uh, kind of like had some internships and then met a bunch of people there. Um, and eventually was like, okay, I'm going to make my way out to LA. So I had an opportunity to be a personal assistant um, for someone for a couple weeks. And during that time out in L.A., I put my resume out everywhere. And this was like um, a while ago now. But um, and the following week, I had like seven or eight interviews. And she was like, that never happens. So, (laughs) yeah. Wow. No, that's that's a good story. And I think. You really parlayed this, you know, to go into music because, like, you worked on some music videos. I um, started working with one production company, and um, eventually, somehow, one of their clients became the Foo Fighters, and uh, it was it was really cool. Um, Dave Grohl was super nice. Uh, met all the. Um, met you know all the band members and everything and it was like uh i think it was called the the rope shoot i forget the name of the song but um it was all shot on vhs tapes and dave was directing and um it was like you know kind of right when i was like gaining traction being in la and everything and it was it was just a super cool uh fun shoot to be a part of Is that when things were brewing for you to think, you know, I love film, I love filmmaking, but I want to be in front of the camera too? No, no. So I was an artist manager for about 10 years and never thought about writing a song in my life um, because it was, um, I was like, there's like, I don't have, I don't have the capacity to do that. But over the um, last five years or so, like there was this thing kind of just in the back of my brain of like, Jen, you should try songwriting. You should, you know, like you should try songwriting. And then um, I kind of had to get over that fear because like I'm surrounded by so many being in L.A., so many amazing session musicians who go, go on tour with huge artists around you know the country and everything like that so i was like what do i you know like i was like what do i have to offer like songwriting like i feel like oh here's this you know artist manager 
trying to, um, you know, try songwriting. Yeah, yeah, right, Jen. Like, but um, after one of my friends, uh, I I saw him at a birthday party, and um, he was like, "Yeah, like, you know, when I'm not on the road, sometimes I give songwriting lessons. I, uh, you know, teach piano." and stuff like that. And I was like, Hey, like, could you just give me like a 30 minute, like songwriting lesson to see, like, I have these ideas, but I don't know if any of them are like even, you know, worth anything. And, um, I, I brought him one of my first song ideas, which was, um, Saturday. And we kind of just like talked about the structure of the songs. Um, you know, like, pre-chorus and everything and he was like yeah this is like this is actually like could be turned into something great so that kind of just launched me into um my songwriting like songwriting and like then working with different collaborators and stuff so I have always been a huge fan of music and I love going to live concerts Um, I love seeing my friends perform, um, and just trying to like be a support for them. So, um, yeah, going to concerts regularly to see who is like new and like what artists like are, you know, coming up or is is something that is like still to this day, a part of my, um, a part of my like, uh, life, uh, I honestly think it does help me with my songwriting and um, creating music because I think a lot about from the fan perspective of what is what when you're in the audience, what type of things do you want the, you know, the fans to like sing back? Like what's really going to like grip, grip who's ever singing up on stage Um with like what's happening in the moment in the audience. So when I, when I am writing songs, I I, I think about that a lot too, um, for my choruses and for different parts, um, in the songwriting process. So going to concerts, I think has like definitely helped me as like a songwriter, but, um, also just it's, they're fun to go to. (laughs) Absolutely, and and at any age, as any age. as we as we found out in your documentary, we have to talk a, a little bit about this. Um, you you kind of combined all your loves: filmmaking, going to concerts, music, and you made a movie called "The Dancing Man of Los Angeles." Yes, uh, I started a music podcast like four years ago called the Isle of Music podcast and um, going to shows, I would always see, now I know his name, Howard, um, the LA rocker uh, at different shows, but I never knew who he was until I saw this LA Weekly article. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's Howard. Like I need to interview him for my music podcast. So I contacted the journalist who uh, wrote that article and he's like, Oh, he's super easy to get in contact with. Like, you know, just hit him up. And I was like, okay. Uh, So yeah, I interviewed him for my podcast. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, 
oh, this this guy needs a documentary made about him and his like concert going lifestyle. So, uh, so yeah, we started, so, um, I ran into my co-director Scott at kind of like this Michigan alum gathering of some of our close friends who are all, all out in Los Angeles. Um, and he was like, yeah, maybe we should, maybe we should like, shoot something about him. Maybe, maybe we could like, you know, work on it together. And we started talking like going back and forth. Um, and then it kind of fell off. And then we were both at the Sharon Van Etten, Boney Bear show at the forum. And, uh, Scott saw, a Howard, um, from like up above and then I saw him because I was like on the floor, but I didn't know he was going to that show. And I just saw him like a, a his white hair like going through the audience like at the end of the show. I was like, Howard is here. And then af- after that moment from that concert, we were like, okay, a documentary needs to be, we got to get going on it. So we started filming with him in September of 2019 not knowing that the pandemic was going to happen and um, decided to, you know, follow him throughout the the shutdown um, to see, you know, what was going to go on there with all the venue shuttering. So. Yeah. And it's really fascinating. I think, wasn't he about 69 at the time that you were filming? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was. On the ver- verge of 70. And then uh, didn't PBS uh, pick this up for their short doc series? Yes, independent. Yeah, for independent lens. We um, we were going after different grants and trying to get funding. Um, and uh, yeah, in 2020, PBS, like uh, ITVS, which is kind of like, the subsidiary of like PBS and um, independent lens like was like, yes, we want to, we want to work with you on, you know, the dancing man. So we went into a, like a co-production agreement with them to finish up the, to finish up the doc. Wow. What a great credit to have. And it seems like, you know, he's so well loved and just, so infectious to watch him dance at the concerts. It seemed inevitable that you would put him in one of your music videos. Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, I knew it would be fun to try to come up with kind of a theme song for the documentary. So I got two of my really close, uh, songwriting collaborators on board, Nadia Vea and Henry Ingram. And uh, we wrote a song called Front Row, and um, we were able to incorporate it into the score of the documentary. Um, Zach, who scored, um, who was our composer, he was able to, like, include kind of, like, the instrumental version and his take on the song, like, at the beginning and end of the doc. And then, um, yeah, Howard was able to have his own theme song about dancing in the front row. And uh, yeah, it was the first music video and a song I released um, underneath. Yeah, my name, Jen Fedor. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. It really captured his spirit. And 
He was even had that little multicolored sequin fabric around him. It kind of reminded me of your look in the Love Struck Baby video. Yeah, I he he had this gold or golden red cape that like just seemed perfect. Um, it was in his wardrobe. So I asked him that day to like bring a bunch of different clothing clothing options, and that was like one of the things he like came up with. So we kind of like tried to like go off of that like color palette for like when the band is in Zebulon. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I, I just knew I wanted to do some sort of like fun dance video for Love Struck Baby. And I wanted to incorporate like kind of like an 80s theme. So um, I tried to have like different gradient backgrounds in Love Struck Baby. And then uh, there was this like futuristic light tunnel that I've had my eye on for over like a year. Um, and we got to film um, in there too, because I thought it was like perfect for the vibe of Love Struck Baby. <laughs> mm -hmm. So for Love Struck Baby, there must have been a lot of anticipation you had the successful documentary, you know, about music. You did the front row video, which just looked and sounded great. So coming off the heels of that, you know, what do you think people were expecting from you? Um, I feel like just being able to step out into being comfortable, hey, now I'm in front of the camera and um, I'm going to put my voice, you know, at the forefront where the other releases like I had for songwriting um, for the other singles I released last year, I wanted to showcase um, my versatility in songwriting. So there was like a country song called Some Kind of Beautiful um, that featured an artist, uh, Jordan Grizzard. And a couple other songs where other people were featured. Um, and yeah, this one's just like, you know, stepping out in front and being like, okay, like, <laughs> I can do this. Like, I can, I can be an artist and um, make some fun music videos. Kelly, um, Kelly Yvonne uh, came on board as my uh, choreographer. She has uh, done a lot of choreography for like FKA Twigs, um, a Little Nas X, and um, she loved being able to do just like a super fun and upbeat song that was kind of like 80s themed. So she was like so excited to come on board and help like bring my vision for the music video and to full like to be like full circle so well, it seems like people are in the mood now for something fun like everything has been so fierce and extreme you know in music and yeah. it seems like there's like an opening now for people who just want almost just some innocent fun yeah i mean yeah i i I, I really want to try to write some really fun, upbeat songs um, by nature. I'm a very extroverted and love to have fun person. So uh, I want that reflected in my music, but also there, you know, I, I will have some uh, other sad, sadder songs coming. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think with the climate, you know, that's out there right now. 
sometimes we just need some feel good music. Absolutely. And, you know, I can remember the 80s, you know, the first time around with groups like Wham and Bananarama. You know, sometimes people would almost call it like, you know, bubblegum pop. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but those songs really endure. I mean, there really was something to that music. You know, it wasn't disposable. You know, a lot of these are really pop classics now. Oh, yeah, they totally are. And I, I didn't know this song was going to be so like 80s forward but i just kind of well when i heard the first couple like production rounds um working with henry and then uh tyler i was just like you know what i'm just gonna embrace it because like it's a fun song and yeah i thought henry and tyler did a, such a great job um producing um this one so it seems like in the movie stuff you've done and you know you're an artist manager you know you seem like an organizer probably the most you know organized person in the room what's it like <laughs> for you to shift and wear the artist hat and even like be directed like like are you good at taking direction from other people yeah i mean um the music video for love struck baby i co-directed it it was pretty much my idea but in order to make our day i knew i needed josh my dp his like input because there was no way with having two different stages that we were going to make our day if we had to keep watching like replays back so having someone like josh who has dp'd and directed before step in to co-direct was like super super um it was yeah it was super easy to uh be working with him and isn't it sometimes just nice to not have to wear every hat and just say okay i'm gonna do my one thing concentrate yeah. on that and let someone else take over for a while yeah oh for sure and i mean being an artist manager and producer i think and now becoming you know being an artist and um, going that route, um, uh, it, I'm I'm only wiser. Like I understand the inner workings of you know the music industry. So my goals are not like <laughs> to the moon. You know, like I have a very like grounded. Okay, this is what I need to do next in order to like keep propelling my like career forward. So um, I don't have like like expectations, um, over the top expectations like some artists do. Um, I I feel like I'm pretty grounded in in that. The music industry is always evolving and changing, so it's also keeping up to date, you know, with the new with the new things that are going on. So. I'm working with an artist right now and um, you know, she, she hasn't released something in, in, you know, probably in the last, like the last little bit. So she's a little bit more like, okay, like Spotify and like stuff. So it's like also try, just trying to bring different artists and musicians into like the present day of like, okay, Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. And like trying to get 
people. So you gain more fans um, through social media. Well, I know for a lot of us, we still have to remind ourselves that, you know, MTV really doesn't exist anymore. You know, we still are stuck in that 80s mode of, oh, if I can just get my video on MTV, I'll be set. You know, <laughs> when that's like 40 years ago. But now it's like every year, it seems like there's some major change in the music industry. Yeah, there definitely is. And streaming numbers are important. TikTok has like grown and and is important. And I know a lot of artists don't want to deal with that. And I mean, I know I need to update my TikTok more. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> but it's my schedule with working out on television shows sometimes and whatnot, it, it can be difficult. Um, you know, you, you just kind of have to try to do your best. And sometimes you also just need to pick one, one thing that you're going to focus on. Okay. Is it going to be Instagram? Is it going to be TikTok? Like, um, so then like the artist doesn't become overwhelmed with having <laughs> to update everything. You don't like for TikTok, you don't want like fully like curated posts like on like Instagram and stuff. Like I think like a lot of posts on TikTok are just like very bare bones of um you know, of day-to-day life or just playing a cover song or something like that. Where I think some people get into the um the fact that uh you need something totally curated on TikTok, and I, I, it's not always the case. My next single um, is a song called "I Miss LA," and that'll be out um, in October. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping for some uh, good TikToks to come out of that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, the podcast, like I just wanted it to be kind of like an interview where anyone from like, I interview like different music supervisors to agents, to artists, to get everyone's like personal journeys. So people can learn from their story. Cause like everyone's story is like completely different on how they got to where they're at. But I think people can definitely learn, um, about the music industry from each person's uh, story. So I wanted it to be a very broad, um, you know, just not artists, you know, I can interview anyone related to the music industry. Nice. Yeah. So what, what are you finding that beginning artists really need to learn the most? Ooh, good question. Um, I think the biggest thing for anyone is that you have to be your biggest cheerleader to think that someone else is going to do X, Y, and Z for you is like kind of very difficult. So um, if you really want to be in the music industry, whether that is an artist or a um music supervisor, you have to like be your biggest cheerleader of like, of of really wanting it. And um, eventually your team will like come together on like, who's going to help you out with things. So, um, but you have to have 
the belief the high I, there's a lot of highs and lows but like if you if you can't be able to pick yourself back up like it's going to be real difficult so be be your biggest cheerleader like yeah and when it comes to los angeles like a lot of people think oh i'll just arrive there on the greyhound bus and be, be discovered and and the reality you know for you i'm sure is much different uh, it seems like you really brought a work ethic with you do you think that's what separated you from the people who who didn't make it in film or who aren't making it in music yeah i mean i think i understand maybe it's from like my midwest like working roots that things aren't going to be easy and there's going to be a lot of ups and downs um and if you really want to work in entertainment in general like you have to keep like trudging along um and um i mean i'm really happy that like i've been sticking it out and like just following through so um i like being able to be a producer for you know film and television um i i, I like being able to do like you know be an artist and also being a manager like i uh it's it's super fun so but yeah like i think also having a solid group of friends around you to you know help you when times are going you know are rough um i think is also uh something that is important to i think everyone's journey yeah it seems like like when you arrive in a place like LA, you know, making contacts and getting, you know, a good reputation for being that dependable person and just being that first person on the set and ready to work. Yeah. Yeah. And if, yeah, if you do good on set and like, you know, with your superiors and you keep, you know, just working along, you'll, you'll make your way up the chain in whatever department you want to get into, whether it's camera, whether, it's um being on the production side like any any like pas that i work with uh i try to see like okay what department is interest like are you interested in because um you know there's a path to each different department working on set so and don't you think it's okay for people to give themselves permission to say i came out to la to be a movie director but now that I've had experience, you know, I like the wardrobe department better. Or, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, this department isn't part of it, just kind of exploring and finding out what really you're good at. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's what happens, like, to a lot of people uh, out here where they're like, oh, I actually like, you know, working in art or whatever. So you, you just kind of have to be able to be flexible. And I think I am also, that's another thing of being flexible. And sometimes you have to take that job you don't really want, but sometimes it turns into like the best case scenario, um, you know? So you have to just be willing to roll with the punches and um, yeah. Well, before we wrap up and go, go into our final heat here, uh, where can people find you online? Um, yeah, where can people find me online? Um, they can find me at jenfedor.com. 
Um, I'm on Instagram, just under my name, Jen Fedor, F-O-D-O-R. Um, TikTok, the same. Um, my Facebook is uh, Jen Fedor Presents. Um, but yeah, I'm just type in my name. You'll 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 find me in um uh, you'll find me on YouTube too. So excellent. So Jen J E N and Fedor F O D O R. Yes. Oh, the documentary uh, is at uh, the website is ladancingman.com. And um, the Dancing Man of LA is streaming on PBS's YouTube and on Independent Lens website. Excellent. Well, you know, I'm actually looking at your website now, the jenfedorpresents.com, and it's got a lot of great links and just a lot of really nice information about you. Here's something I'm really curious about, because uh, you're also a music manager and creative consultant. So I'm curious, so say you're like a new artist, you know, you've got some songs, you have some idea for videos, but you're not quite sure how to craft your career, where to start, find you on your website, say, hey, I, I need a creative consultant, I'm going to contact Jen. So when someone contacts you, take me through a little of the process, um, what happens when they call you up? Um. Yeah, if they call me up, I can, I like... If they email me, I can see like what their needs are, and then we can set up a call to see like what 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 they need guidance on. So um, it's kind of like just a case by case basis. Um, sometimes people need consultation for music videos. Um, other times it's their career. So um, yeah, they can just email and um, and then we can set up a call to see what um yeah what's happening and see how i can help mm -hmm. it seems like what helps a lot is knowing what not to waste your time on like not spin your wheels on certain things yeah yep yeah oh totally so i mean the the key is to just keep writing as a keep growing your catalog and then you know write you know, write, write 50 songs and then go back into those 50 songs and, and like four months later and decide, okay, out of these songs I've, I've written, what ones are like really sticking with me or like what ones like resonate the most. Um, for releasing Love Struck Baby, it wasn't until I looked over like, I don't know how many songs I've written it wasn't until like I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good song. I, I I definitely think I could like sing that one for my artist project. And, you know, it resonates with me. So like sometimes like, I mean, it's a good thing to think that every song you're writing is a hit. Um, I think at least that's how I look at it from what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, well, but, but going back like months after you wrote a song to see if it's still resonating with you, I think is a really good um, way to go about picking what songs you're going to release as singles. So, mm -hmm. Well, when you're so close to your art and your music, what's the benefit of having a third party? You know, I mean, having a third party look over it is like really vital for a release plan because you might say, oh, I want to release the song in a month, but you might, you know, you might need two or three months, you know, like probably need three months lead time with like, if you're getting a press involved and you're getting other 
facets involved to like really like build up that song so or that ep or the album so having a third party who knows the music business a little bit more if that's not your forte <laughs> um is a is a good good idea because there are, are certain things you might not even think about so so in your film career and just your hollywood career there in general um you have come across a few celebrities in your work and i, I think through some, maybe some psas you worked on and i saw this i think on your website some of the ones you've encountered jennifer aniston jimmy kimmel do you have one interesting anecdote about one of them Oh, oh, um, I think it was really funny when I did meet Jennifer Aniston because I made a, um, I made a joke a day or two before and I said, oh, when I meet, when I meet Jennifer, I'm going to be like, hi, I'm Jen. And then she'll be like, hi, I'm Jen. And then that actually happened on set. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It kind of really cracked me up. So that was that was like a funny moment because like I didn't think it was actually going to happen, and then it did happen. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> did you see when she was on Saturday Night Live and that person imitated her and they were sitting next to each other? I didn't actually, and I'm a huge fan of SNL. I I don't remember that, um, but I'm that's I'm sure it was hilarious. Oh, yeah, look it up. It's on YouTube. You'll have fun with that. Okay, number two, Dancing Man of Los Angeles, Howard, and is it Mordo? Mordo, yep, Howard Mordo. He seems so cool. What's your favorite memory of working with him? Uh, Let's see. I think... I... um, Gosh, I mean, he is just such like a joyful person and loves going to concerts. So getting to see him in his element and how much joy and how much, um, you know, joy and dancing that brings him is like one of the best things. Nice. So finally, this is all about Love Struck Baby. I think we all have this secret fantasy of like, like being a backup dancer in a music video or, you know, live on stage with a band or something, you know? Yeah. And so for you to actually, you know, not just backup dancer, lead dancer and have a choreographer to this really fun, upbeat song, what was just the the most joyful part of being able to dance in a music video? I mean... (laughs) the set was just so much fun we all had like such a really good time like it was from beginning of the day to the end it was just it was so much fun and um i love to dance and uh being able to incorporate that into the music video um was just super fun and what was the best piece of advice uh kelly yvonne your choreographer gave you um just own it (laughs) (laughs) you know you are you know you are the artist like you're gonna bring this you know this music video to life so just like just you know own it (laughs) own it oh and 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 who owned that 
that really cool i don't know what you call it a cape a coat with all the colorful sparkling threads are coming out of it um yeah that i i bought that for the music video um i got it from a nasty gal um i the 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 shirts that um the ladies are wearing in the background um i got from a local uh shop in echo park and um i was still like i don't know exactly what i'm gonna wear like because like i need to you know stand out a little bit more from them and then i i saw this like of course instagram ad pop up and i was like oh, this will be perfect. This will complement like their outfits. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, well, what was your outfit? Was it a coat? Was it a shirt? Was it a pants? It was, um, it was like a jacket. It was a, it was a jacket with like all these streamers on it. it um, so it was a jacket. Yeah. Well, I can only imagine if Howard Mordo saw that jacket, he would want it. Oh, definitely. I mean, it is definitely Howard's style for sure. <laughs>